Welcome to episode 526 of Salcedo Paranormal. And tonight I am continuing my review of the complete books of Charles Fort. As always, you can find all episodes of the show um, and along with uh, links to social media and other ways to contact me at the podcast page. And that is salcedoparanormal.podbean.com. That's S A L S I D O paranormal.podbean.com. Always happy to hear from you all, whether you have comments or questions or topic suggestions or stories of paranormal experiences, whether they're your own or from others that you know or trust me. Um, you can always, I'm always happy to either read them or have you join me on the show to talk about them. Forgot my own intro. Um, as always, thank you for listening, whether you are here for the live streams on Discord or if you listen to the podcast or YouTube feeds. Or on the Trouble Minds Radio Network, KUAP Digital Broadcasting. There you can hear replays of two episodes of the show every night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right before Trouble Minds Radio comes on. As always, I want to thank Michael Strange, host of Trouble Minds Radio, as well as Liam Martin, host of the Exile Minds podcast, for producing these shows and putting them up on the station along with the music that you hear there. If you'd like to support the show, there are some different ways to do that. You can always share the show with others and rate and review it on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, you can also find books I've written on paranormal fiction and nonfiction over on Amazon. And you can sign up to my Patreon page, where starting this month, uh, coming soon, I'll be uh, putting out one extra True Paranormal Stories from the Web episode every month. And that is avail- available to uh, all membership tier levels there. Uh, or you can just uh, send a one-time donation through PayPal, if you'd like. Um, help is never expected, but always appreciated, as there are expenses in making these shows, from equipment to research materials to uh, travel expenses in some cases. Um, and the research materials is an important one because um, not everything is public domain, and I have to um, take in new information mostly through audio. So, um, and audiobooks. The longer they are, the more expensive they're going to be. Similar to, I guess, books in print. Um, but, um, but yeah, so just uh, always want to put that out there. And uh, for anyone that wants to help out, those are the ways you can do that. So uh, thank you all for being here tonight. And, um, again, this is um, my continuing series on the complete books of Charles Fort. Um, I did mention this the other day, but I want to bring it up again. The Haunted Places in the U.S. series is not done. I'm going to just do all the research for each state uh, since we finished Alabama the other day. Um, I'm going to do all that research um, before I put out any more of those shows for each state. So that way I don't have to rush. I can sort of do that research um, whenever works best for me uh, because it is also on top of doing the research for the true stories episodes. So that can be a lot of reading. And um, but that series is not done, but until that, until I'm ready to start it up again for the next state, which will be Alaska, there will be two of these book review episodes every week, uh, in addition to the um, the True Paranormal Stories on the Web episodes. So, um, And that's also just so we can hopefully get through more uh, and get through the rest of um, Charles Fort's works here a little bit faster and move on to something else. What that'll be, I'm not exactly sure yet. I haven't decided. 
but um, hopefully you'll find something else just as interesting. So anyway, speaking of the um, Charles Fort here and his complete books, we're still on the third of the four books. I believe it's called, yeah, it's called Woe, L-O, exclamation mark. And we're at, we are on chapter 19. So, um, and let me see here. So let me find where I'm at. So this uh, chapter, and again, these are all summaries of each of the, all these chapters um, that I, I basically, I use AI to make the summary. And then I read the, the summary, and then we talk about the um, material based on that summary. So that's sort of how these um, these shows go. And um, I hope that works for everyone. I, I, I've enjoyed it so far because otherwise that's a lot of material to read. So. Um, this one says, this is, um, this chapter talks about the story of a Kaspar Hauser. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. It says it's considered one of history's most puzzling mysteries. In 1828, a teenage boy appeared in the German town of Nuremberg. I'm saying that wrong, probably. Uh, barely able to walk or speak. He carried two letters, one claiming he was abandoned as an infant and one, I'm sorry, and raised uh, in confinement without education. Uh, He quickly learned to speak German, but always retained a foreign accent. He displayed ignorance of everyday objects and amazement at things like, like beer and candles suggesting he was raised in isolation. Some believed he was the rightful heir to the throne, kept hidden away. Uh, says twice Casper was found um, stabbed. Apparently that's quite horrible. But claimed not to know the attacker. In 1833, he was fatally, um, basically he, he died in the park, but his footprints were the only ones in the snow. His death remained unsolved. Theories abound. Some say he was an imposter who faked ignorance. Others say he was uh, abandoned due to disabilities, which unfortunately, uh, the further back in time you go, the more that was done to people with disabilities of any kind, uh, from what I've heard and read. Um, says that some tie his um, injuries to political motives, but his mysterious origin was never uncovered. Uh, Charles Fort correlates Casper's story with other puzzling events like phantom attacks on people and mysterious creature substitutions. He sees strands of unsettlement running through disparate mysteries. In summary, the story of Caspar Hauser represents a historical mystery featuring an inexplicably um, ignorant youth, it says there, um, violent attacks and speculative theories uh, about his obscure origins and tragic end. Uh, Fort connects us to a tradition of unsolved and unsettling mysteries. So that's that chapter. Um, never heard of that when I moved before. That is sad, but also, again, you, you, there, unfortunately, um, 
as I, I do say, and maybe not enough in the show, I'm fully aware that all things in the paranormal are not, um, not so nice, not so happy. Um, but so that's, that's why, um, it's important. I think once in a while to cover these things and, um, and to acknowledge that they happen. So, um, but just so everyone knows, I do try to focus on the more positive side of things just because there are plenty of other shows out there that, um, cover sort of the darker, darker things and do it in a much better way than I think I could. I don't think I can handle, uh, going too deep into those kinds of topics for too long. So, um, let other shows do it that are able to do that better is what I think, uh, as far as that goes. Um, so next chapter here, chapter 20. Um, this next chapter is a critique of astronomy and its foundational theories uh, and methods. It challenges the concepts of mass, gravity, parallaxes, spe spectroscopic uh, determinations, and mathematical predictions made by astronomers. Okay, this is probably going to be beyond me, but we'll try to get through this here says some of the main arguments made are that astronomers cannot accurately define or calculate mass since the composition of matter is unknown at a fundamental level. So astro astronomical calculation based on mass are meaningless. Now keep in mind, this is Fort's, Fort's idea is not necessarily mine. I don't even know enough about all this to have an opinion in one way or another. So really, uh, if I do, I'll let you all know in here. But um, anyway, I'm going on with this chapter. Uh, the gravitational theory of two masses orbiting a common center is a fiction, according to Ford again, and unsupported by evidence of how comets actually move. Um, measuring parallax to determine the Earth's motion is inaccurate, it says here with huge margins of error. Different astronomers report conflicting results based on their own desired outcomes. Um, and I do think that, again, uh, that can happen. Politics and ego and all those things can uh, affect um, what should just be scientific practices and, and procedures. But anyway, spectroscopic techniques for measuring Stellar distances are unreliable, as shown by cases where distances had to later be revised enormously. Example given 300 to 30 light years. Um, let's see here. All right, we'll, we'll just get through the rest of this. Um, it says predictions of eclipses and planetary motions are often wrong, despite claims of precision. For example, predictions were wrong by miles for a 1925 eclipse shadow path over New York. Um, says, and this is all again according to Fort. Einstein's theory does not improve uh, upon Newtonian mechanics, since many of Einstein's novel predictions have failed to occur in eclipses and other observations. Uh, so it says, overall, the text, again, from Charles Fort, uh, argues astronomy is founded upon unproven concepts, flexible data interpretations, and failures in prediction. 
it suggests astronomy may be reaching a point of dissolving or overturning its orthodox theories and concepts. Um, again, I don't know any of that about any of that. I will just say, obviously, that um, it's been many decades now since um, that was written. So um, take that into consideration. And uh, so, yeah, they, I don't know, other than just, um, just, uh, yeah, keep that in mind. Um, and uh, Derek in the chat here says, I can see Fort getting into electric universe theory or something. Yeah, I, w I wonder what he would think about that. They pick apart gravity, gravity like crazy. Uh, and it's around the time when ether, ether would still be more easily acceptable for people. Yeah, that's very possible. That's why that's that is sort of what led to that whole chapter and that that whole because that that whole um, topic has popped up again and again in various chapters and the books that that we've reviewed so far already. So um, going on to the next chapter, 21 here. Um, excuse me. OK, so. This chapter discusses the idea that there may be purpose, design, control, or guidance behind the workings of nature and human societies. It challenges conventional the uh, theological and scientific views. Uh, it suggests that gold was gold, G-O-L-D, was purposefully placed in California to spur development, and that climate was it adapted to aid Britain's role as a colonial power. It proposes Australia and the Americas were kept isolated to preserve them for future colonization. Um, I don't know how, how I feel about that considering there are already people here, but anyway, um, this is again all from Charles Fort here. It argues that wars, pestilence, and birth control regulate population growth in preparation for future interplanetary colonization. It imagines a time when travel to the stars becomes commonplace. Um, this chapter, uh, this text challenges the idea that stars are distant, suggesting they may be a shell or lands we could colonize. It criticizes astronomers supposed understanding of the infinite and it expresses an ironic view of human knowledge and achievements saying uh, stars are close and uh, notions of space travel are not new insights but common knowledge it says and it ends on a note of commonplaceness overriding uh, lofty ambitions so I think maybe that um, previous chapter is sort of was intended um, to help sort of set up that chapter just right there. Um, and as far as that goes, I definitely, I mean, we've, I'm sure we've all heard of um, this idea that, I mean, if, basically it goes back to the ancient astronomer or ancient, I guess, alien idea, or at least it can in a way, um, to me, based on what he's saying there. Uh, and um, just why things are the way they are. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I have no idea, but um, it's an amazing concept to think about things that way. Um, and, again, 
some people would say, well, if, if there if that did happen, then why don't we have uh, why is, is there no contact with other with other uh, with aliens of any kind with other other beings? But of course, my <laughs> response to that is, well, there's plenty of people that would say we do have contact with other entities and other beings and aliens, which of course, as I always say to me, alien just means unknown or unfamiliar. Does not automatically mean uh, extraterrestrial. Doesn't mean anything except for just what it is. Um, so, and uh, so, yeah, I don't know, but, and I mean, I say that based on my experiences as well with the blue light and then with the, the, the that one abduction experience. I'm pretty sure I had. I don't know what was doing the abducting, but it was something going on there. So, um, sort of, I'm I'm starting to sort of settle on that now as being something that really did happen, not just my imagination because of the way everything felt. Um, and uh, let me see here. So Derek says, interesting, he kind of compares elites siloing off the new world until they can profit from it, and the same possibly happening with space travel. Yeah, I don't know. It's possible. Um, yeah. But um, let's see if we can get through at least one more chapter here tonight of this, and uh, hopefully gets into some other stuff here. Um, chapter 22. Uh, okay, this starts off with more um, events, which is always good. In the summer of 1880, black flies fell from the sky in multiple locations, including uh, France. I'm not sure how to say that first word. Um, Let's see here. Nova Scotia and the, um, the English Channel. The flies appeared exhausted and many fell into the water. Their origin was a mystery. In the summer of 1869 in England, there was an unprecedented scarcity of insects, including butterflies, bees, wasps, and flies. Swallows starved due to lack of insects to eat. Uh, then numerous insects began invading England in massive swarms, uh, including ladybugs, locusts, spiders, and species previously unknown in England. The swarms seemed to origin originate from somewhere other than the European continent. Entomologists debated the origin of the insects but could not adequately explain how they arrived in such large numbers on the English coast, sometimes appearing to fall from the sky. Uh, the text suggests a crowd psychology, in quotation marks there, amongst the insects enjoying the experience of swarm swarming in huge numbers. It also hints at a mysterious provision of insects in response to the insect famine in England that summer. So that's an amazing idea, that some other force and or the creatures themselves sort of responded to to something and, and, and um, sort of worked to fix the situation in a way. Um, so let's see here, looking at the chat. Uh, Derek says, whoa, now that really seems like the Earth is a giant terrarium. 
Um, fish tank, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, the overlord's dropping more bugs into the tank. Out of bugs. Here you go, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, yeah. So I guess that's sort of the, the, the point of those last couple chapters there is just he doesn't really, Fort does not mess around. He doesn't put anything in there, I don't think, just for the sake of just putting in text. Um, if you think about those last couple chapters, they kind of pretty nicely set up that one chapter right there. So, um, but yeah, so I don't know. Uh, let's see if we can get through one more here. Cause I'm curious to see where he wants to go from, from, uh, here on out. Uh, let's see how long it is. Well, we'll try it. At least we'll get through part of it. Um, so chapter 23. Uh, the text describes strange weather events from the late 1800s, including sudden deluges and massive floods that devastated areas around the world. It questions conventional meteorolo meteorological explanations for these events. Uh, Charles Fort suggests that flood and water spouts were related across continents, forming a zone where water catastrophe catastrophically fell to earth. He proposes an unconventional theory that the water came from elsewhere in the cosmos, possibly channeled from distant planets or stars to earth when drought, droughts created greater, uh, great need. Uh, Fort criticizes the scientific community for failing to see connections between the global events. He accuses them, of course, of blindly labeling events um, water spouts for convenience rather than exploring their true origins. Uh, the text cites numerous examples of simultaneous droughts and deluges uh, in 1889 impacting China, Germany, Greece, Africa, Australia, the Americas. Um, Fort argues this shows an or Organ, organ, or organismic, basically organic, I guess you could say, connection between global weather events. Um, Fort sees parallels between the weather events and uh, religious notions of prayer and providence. He criticizes the notion of an automatic, I'm not going to get into that, um, uh, entity arbitrarily punishing humanity uh, with disasters. The text questions conventional scientific and religious worldviews. Uh, Fort suggests there are phenomena that point to larger cosmic connections and forces beyond current understanding. He calls for more open, uh, holistic thinking. So, and we made it to that end of that chapter. I'm really glad that we did that. Um, so, yeah, again, suggesting this other intelligence that is in charge of, or controls anyway, um, all these things. So, and, um, yeah, let me see here. Derek says, mystical source waters coming from the other side, the cosmos, water spout portals, yeah. And then PDG, yeah, the first conspiracy writer. At least one of the first, definitely, seems like. Um, yeah, so that's definitely where <laughs> there's definitely no more, not enough time to get through another chapter now. Um, so, but I don't, I, I really don't see a major problem with the the things he's describing. Everything seems to 
I mean, you can, I can kind of see things that way. Um, as there being <clears throat> other forces or entities that sort of do things for their own reasons and um, to get different results on this planet. And I wonder how many other planets that has happened on or around as well. Um, so it makes me wonder about sort of situations and, and how maybe that can explain how other planets became what they are now. But um, that is all the time we have for tonight. Thank you all for listening. And I will talk to you all in the next episode of Salcedo Paranormal. Take care.